right. I was going to say you could open your Bibles. You could open your Bibles to any one of those verses in there, but I think I have most of the verses for the lesson in your handout. If you don't have a handout, then you'll be running all over the place. And if you don't have a handout, you can start with Romans 7, 18. I have to comment on the uh, Baptist history. I had not heard of Lydia de Hales before, so that was new. That was a blessing to see people involved in mission work. Amen? That's what it's all about. You say, well, why wasn't she allowed to go and go to the mission field as a single lady? Well, because if she went as a missionary proper, she'd be out starting churches and preaching to men. So we typically think that the Bible doesn't teach that, right? So to go and assist another missionary with those endeavors and work with the children and women, that is very much um, a noble and uh, worthwhile service. So we're going to be get back to here. And I also wanted to comment on just reiterate what he said. Here was a lady who suffered great uh, physical problems, but did not allow that to hinder her from doing something for the Lord. And too often uh, we're feeling sorry for ourselves, saying, well, I can't do this, I have a headache, I have this, I I can't get up. I've just found by experience when you don't feel like doing something, just do it anyway. Um, and God can bless. Uh, <laughs> there's been many times where I've gotten up into the pulpit to teach or preach and was wiped out, feeling in pain, headache, whatever you want to say. And I've just, by experience, because say God took that away many, so many times while I was teaching and preaching and then let me have it back when I was done. So, well, maybe I should just keep preaching. Uh, anyway, so let's get into our lesson we started, or we're going through the series, What's Next? And if you don't remember, or if you're new, or visiting, or whatever, say, where did this, this idea come from? Well, years ago, we had a, while I was serving in, in Zambia, Africa, uh, a young lady had gotten saved, gotten baptized, and she sat down, and she said, so, what's next? And I was like, whoa, okay, that's a there's a lot more for you to learn. So in time, that stuck out to me, and a whole series of lessons, sermons, became into this, which became into a a, a small discipleship booklet. And it's good for all of us. These are just fundamental daily um, principles that we need to remember and live by, and sometimes we forget, and we don't want to forget these important things. And so this particular lesson, I, I've broken up into three sections, and it's talking about be, uh, beware of your enemy. And last week we looked at beware of the en- your enemy, the devil. Today we'll look at our second enemy. This is the flesh. So beware of your enemy, the flesh. And the key verse is Romans seven eighteen. For I know that in me, this is Paul speaking, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. 
Now, that flies in the face of modern philosophy and even some different religions. You know, that, oh, there's this little spark of divinity. There's a little bit of good in everybody. Well, Scripture says, I know, I know. He's saying, I know. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul was saying, I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. So the flesh is an enemy. I want to teach on that. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, your faithfulness. Lord, you're so good to us. We're glad that we have your word that can teach us, guide us. Lord, we live in this flesh and it, it wears on us. It pulls us down. It hinders us. And it would be really good if we understood what we're dealing with. And I pray that if this is a reminder to some, that it would be a helpful reminder. And Perhaps there would be some things spoken that would give new insight. Um, maybe they, someone hasn't thought of this before, but your word thinks of everything. So I just pray that we'd get some help so we can understand this enemy that we're up against. And then also, Lord, so that we could um, have some victory and learn how to deal with this battle. We just pray that you be exalted and glorified and give me wisdom to know what to say, how to say it. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. So it, it's bad enough that we've got the devil against us, but we've got this other enemy this, that is uh, with us all the time. It never leaves us. Thankfully, the devil's not with us all the time. He's roaming around the earth. He's not omnipresent. So if he's bothering uh, Brother Brady, he's not bothering me at the, at the moment. So I can be thank, not, not thankful that he's being bothered. But you, you see what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that the devil's not following you around 24-7. Now, he's got a bunch of demons that, really, that work for him and really open up opportunities for you to be attacked. But even them, there, there's, there's not enough of them to attack every Christian simultaneously. So... Uh, but, but we do have this other enemy called the flesh, and it, this flesh never leaves us. And they say, well, if, if we have this enemy, if our flesh is the enemy, then we should try to get out of our flesh. Not going to happen. All right? Uh, it's also interesting that um, if you think of warfare, you know, typical warfare, if... If you knew you had an enemy and you were aware of the enemy, you'd be able to defend yourself a little bit better. But where these enemies disguise themselves like, like a, a, you know, an ally, and then all of a sudden they reveal themselves at the last minute, hey, sorry, you know, ignite the, uh, or detonate the, the, the suicide vest and blow, blow everybody up and say, I'm really for the Taliban, I'm not on your side, you know. <laughs> Uh, that enemy is pretty hard to protect yourself against when you don't know who the enemy is. And if you, don't, you and I don't realize just how bad our flesh is, we'll be conquered by our flesh repeatedly. And even if you do know how bad it is, if you don't take the steps to have victory over your flesh, you'll be defeated. So I think it would be helpful for us to study this uh, formidable foe, <laughs> as it seems like at times, so that we can better protect ourselves. I want to give you a few points here then. First of all, we want to define 
the flesh. What is the flesh? So we'll be, we'll be defining the flesh. What is the flesh? Now, certainly it does, it is the body, the body that houses our soul and our spirit. But it's more than just this body, this what we call flesh and blood. The flesh carries a sinful, corrupt nature. Uh, the Bible refers to this as the old man. Now, he's talking about the old man, not an age, right? He's talking about this old, corrupt nature. So he's referring to, he's talking, in, it, we'll read it here in Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking to saved people who now have a new nature. The Holy Spirit comes in and, and regenerates our soul, but... We still have this, cor- this flesh that's corrupted, and that part of us is the old man. So I have the new man, which is Christ the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, living in me and working through me. But I have this old man, this flesh that is, I'm still with, because I'm not out of the body yet. You know, some people think they've got these out-of-the-body experiences. Sorry. <laughs> but we still have this corrupted flesh that... that is against God and it fights against us. And so we've got to learn how to deal with this. And so Paul describes it here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Again, he's talking to saved people who have the new man, the new nature. And he's saying that you need to put off the old man. That doesn't mean kill your body. It's saying you need to put off the deeds of the old man his influence, which means it is possible to have victory over the flesh. But you're going to have to continually fight this battle because you're with this corrupt nature all the time. It's not a lost cause in the sense that, you know, I can never have victory. Continue this verse. Well, let me start from the beginnings for continuity. For, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, here it is, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So those deceitful lusts work in our body, causing us to have a desire for sin. Why do you like sin? Even though you might say, no, that's, that's bad, I shouldn't like it, you still like it. And, and, and don't be so pious to say, well, I don't like sin, because we all like some form of sin. Why do people crave alcohol? Why, why do people want to see pornography? Why do some people enjoy being, uh, losing their temper and being violent? Why do people like to gossip? All of these different things. Why do people do these things is because there's this corrupt part of us that desires these lusts. And lusts, in this sense, are um, forbidden desires. You know, God forbids them, and so it's just something about us that wants to do something that we're forbidden. You know, it's amazing. You get so many children, you tell them, don't, don't, don't go there, don't do this. And they just do the opposite. Why? Because I was told not to. Well, there must be, I must be missing something. If I'm told not to go there, or if I'm told not to look at this, I'm told not to partake of this, there must be something to this, so I want to do it. Well, what, what's driving that? It's the corrupt, deceitful, old nature that's within all of us. And we've got to understand that's what's at work and understand how to combat that. And hopefully we'll have enough time yeah, right, uh, to, to uh, address that as we continue uh, 
in the lesson. So I want to describe the flesh. I'm going to have to get moving now. Uh, first of all, the flesh is corrupt. I mentioned that uh, out of Ephesians 4.22. But another verse that Paul uh, mentions, uh, we also, I guess we've also looked at uh, Romans 7.18. I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So it's actually humbling for us to admit there's no good thing within me because we tend to like ourselves. We tend to think that I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. No, inherently we're pretty bad people, not good people, because the flesh is corrupt. It likes to sin. Now, if you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit in you, he's working in you, he is, he is changing you. In that sense, there is some goodness in you. All right, so it's not a total lost cause, praise the Lord, right? Um, you, our eyes like to look at things they should not see. Our tongues like to say things that we should not say. Our ears like to listen to things that we should not listen to. And so there's lying, there's gossip, and all these other lusts. They're, they're, they're lusts of the flesh. Nobody, and here's, another, here's further proof, nobody has to teach small t- children to touch something they're not supposed to. They just are going to do it. And then when you've established what no means, and you say that that's a no, and then they walk over and they look at you, and you say, it's a no, and they look at you and they just reach out and do it anyway. That's what's going on there. They hate you. It's not that they hate you. It's that they have this corrupt nature, and it's coming out. Children, you don't have to teach them how to lie. They just do it. Because they are corrupt, and you and I are corrupt. Let me say, secondly, the flesh is opposed to God. The the word carnal is another word uh, that talks about the flesh. It's it's a very similar Greek word, and uh, it simply means to be fleshly. The Bible says in Romans 8, 7, the carnal mind or the fleshly mind, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So the carnal side of someone doesn't want to obey God. It doesn't want to follow the Bible. It just doesn't. So there's a part of you that doesn't want to do what's right. So when the preaching's going on up there and says, you need to be a witness. Part of you says, I don't want a witness. You need to say no to to, to sin. I don't want to say no to sin. You need to be faithful. I don't want to be faithful. You need to read your Bible and pray. I don't want to. There's always something in you that just wants to fight against. That is your fleshly, carnal nature. If you don't get that, you're going to be ruled by that and defeated the rest of your life. And God doesn't want us to be that way. He doesn't want us defeated. So your flesh is in direct opposition to God. It, it, it doesn't want to obey him, his word, and it finds, uh, you know, that's why we find it difficult to do right sometimes. Then uh, Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Get the idea there? Against the spirit. So the flesh is opposed to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit prompts us to say no to sin, prompts us to witness, prompts us to be kind. All these different things the Holy Spirit is prompting us, according to the word of God, to do and the flesh is against that and says, no, you don't have to do that. No, you shouldn't do that. You, you, you don't need to do that. It's always arguing against the Holy Spirit. And then the, the, the spirit uh, against the flesh. So there's this fight that's going on within you and I, um, those of us who are saved. 
So your spiritual enemy, my spiritual enemy, the flesh, hinders us from pleasing God. We've got to re- realize this is a, a, a dangerous enemy. Then, uh, thirdly, talking about this, uh, the flesh is dishonest and evil. So we're still describing the flesh. It's dishonest. It's evil. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9, the, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So your heart lies to you. It can't be trusted. So when people say, oh, follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. That is like the most horrible advice that anyone could ever give anybody. Your heart's deceitful. Don't follow it. Follow the Bible instead. Okay? Uh, the heart, your heart will lead you astray. And it tells you that it's okay to do what you want to do. And it'll help, it'll help you justify your selfish ambitions. I hope you're beginning to see the depravity of the flesh and the old man. Uh, now, God created the first man and woman uh, sinless, but a choice for sin was made, and then corruption entered. So, if we don't understand this wayward characteristic that you and I have within us um, and acknowledge that our flesh is, is sinful, uh, then we're going to be overcome by this powerful enemy. The next description is that the flesh is not fit for heaven. It's so bad, God doesn't want it to go to heaven. So he says in 1 Corinthians 15.50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Right? Heaven is incorruptible. Our flesh is corrupt. He doesn't want corruption in heaven. And so God will not allow any sin or he won't let sinful nature to defile heaven. So we have to be saved in order to go to heaven. And when we get saved, uh, he will change us at the rapture. We find out about that in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 53. It says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall, be, we shall all be changed See, we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound. That's talking about the rapture. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this flesh that's corrupted, must put on incorruption. So it must change in order to get to heaven. And this mortal must put on immortality. So... If someone refuses to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and refuses to allow him in to cleanse them and change them, they're not going to get into heaven. There's no hope. They're not getting in. So brings us to another description. The, f- the flesh is unprofitable. It's unprofitable. So it's, it's corrupt. It's incapable of pleasing God, we've seen. And it's unprofitable in the sense that, in one sense, that it can't even secure salvation. You say, well, then I'll just change myself and I'll become a good person and then I, I can go to heaven. No, you can't change yourself. The scripture says in John six sixty three, it is the spirit that quickeneth. I mean, quickeneth means to give life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. Not So how are you born again? Not of blood. That means you don't inherit it. Nor of the will of the flesh. You can't make yourself uh, a Christian. You can't make yourself regenerated or changed. Nor of the will of man, but of God. God has to do this. So our, our good works don't save us. And, and by the way, people who are saved try to serve God in the flesh. They might be doing good things with a wrong motive. That doesn't count for much. That doesn't please God. Okay, there's, there's a whole bunch of carnal Christians out there in the world who live any way they want all through the week. They show up on church on Sunday. They do their little, uh, their little ministry service and say, well, I'm a good Christian because I did this. I served in the bus or I taught in the junior church or whatever I did. No, you're not a good Christian just because you did some ministry. God wants us to do ministry. I'm not discouraging ministry, okay? But we shouldn't deceive ourselves, but we are deceived when we think that, that I can live according to the flesh and listen to the music I want to listen to and and, and dress the way I want to dress and do the things I want to do. And then I can all of a sudden show up, carry my, my Bible, and be a good Christian. And then go right back to that. No, that's That's deceitful. There's some corruption going on that's unprofitable. And all of that, quote-unquote, service isn't really service. So the flesh is weak. That's the next uh, description here. The flesh is weak. Uh, As Jesus spoke to, by the way, his closest disciples, he warned them of just how weak and feeble their flesh was. He says in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. You might be willing to do what's right, but the flesh is weak. Now, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said the flesh is weak. Who was he talking to? The disciples. Were these a bunch of heathens? No, these were good Christians. These were good guys. So, you know what that tells me? That all flesh is weak. Your flesh, my flesh, even the most uh, notable Bible heroes. You know, we think about Paul. He was weak. He said he was the less, he was less than the least of all saints. Are we stronger than him? Absolutely not. In fact, your flesh will never get better. Your flesh will never get better. It will always be corrupt. So don't think that you are going to conquer the flesh on your own and say, I had victory and that victory is done now. I am now completely victorious. That's not, you're not going to be completely victorious until you lose this flesh and you get a, a, a new body when you get up to heaven. Okay, so you'll have this fight, you'll have this enemy going on every day, the rest of your life, you see. You are just, you're depressing me. I'm not trying to depress you, I'm trying to get you to see that this is a real battle and we've got a real enemy and we, we need to take it seriously, right? The, the weaknesses of the flesh, they abound, right? Laziness, fear, 
anger, lust, depression, whatever, envy, anxiety, drunkenness, fornication, and, and on and on and on. Next, the flesh is selfish. It always focuses on pleasing itself. We find this in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, for they that are after the flesh, watch this, do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So we focus on pleasing ourselves when we're in the flesh and letting the flesh control. So, so, so often our flesh is... Uh, um, Focused on self rather than pleasing God. So, because of that, God reminds us of the two great commandments. Don't be focused on yourself, right? He has to tell us, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, right, and all thy soul. And then he also says, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Because we're so focused on self, we need to be reminded. We need to focus on him and others. Then we see that the flesh hinders our service. When you try to do what's right, the flesh is there to get in the way. Have you not found that? You say, I am going to go do this for the Lord, and then uh, I don't feel like it. <laughs> well, it's because you've got a flesh that's fighting against it. Can you have victory of it? Yes, and that's what I need to get to um, with the next point. So defeating the flesh. We've got a few minutes for here for this, so at least we got to it. Defeating the flesh. How do you have victory over the flesh? Let me say, first of all, first part of this is to receive Christ as your Savior. If you never have victory over the flesh, let me rephrase it this way. You will never have victory over the flesh until you get saved. And if you never do have victory over the flesh, it could quite possibly mean that you never did truly get born again and receive the new nature. And that's why... You never have victory because the old nature is always in control. Now, is it possible that someone is saved and, and yields to the flesh over and over and over and over again? Yes, it is possible. But there should be some kind of battle going on inside if you're saved. If there's not a battle, then you don't have the Holy Spirit fighting against the flesh inside. That means you're probably not saved. So, thankfully, those who trust Christ as Savior are no longer condemned for their sin. That's a good thing. But not only are we not, uh, we're, we're, we are forgiven, but we're also liberated from the shackles of sin. Meaning we don't have to continue to be controlled by those sins. We find that in, in Romans 8 too. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So when I got saved, God enabled me to have victory over sin. He's, if you got saved, he's enabled you to have victory over sin. You can be victorious. Now the flesh will rise up again and you've got to beat it back down and you've got to use, claim the promises of God and renew your mind and all that on a daily basis. But you can have victory because we have been set free. That's a whole lesson sermon in itself. And this, again, this is, <laughs> I'm trying to give you highlights to move through and hopefully spur you on to go do some more Bible study on your own. So if you want more on this, 
Study Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 in detail. Read those chapters over and over again and just let those truths sink in. Secondly, about defeating the flesh is recognize the battle. You've got to understand that the Holy Spirit and the flesh are at war continually in your heart and mind. And whoever you feed will probably be the one who wins. And you've got to decide, are you going to yield to the flesh or are you going to yield to the spirit? We actually have a choice in who wins the battle. So, as we mentioned before, Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You're not doing the things that you would do because there's the flesh holding you back. If you yield to the Spirit, you can have victory. That's another. You just read Galatians chapter 5, you'll get some help from that. And when the flesh dominates, it leads to many sins. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And they're all found in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And I'm not going to go through and detail those. Another Bible study for you. But you, when you are letting the flesh take control you are capable of any of those sins listed in that list. And that's why it's not just a matter of, oh, I just, I'm in the flesh for a few minutes. No, you're going to be in the flesh, and you might do this, but then you're also, it'll lead to more sin, and you'll do more and more sin. And it, it doesn't end well, never ends well. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit, when, he's, when we yield to him, he's allowed to reign. He produces some wonderful attributes and that replaces the works of those, those sinful works in our, of our flesh. And Paul enumerates those in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. He talks about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So I would have a question for you. What characterizes your life? The works of the flesh or the, wor- or the fruit of the Spirit? How else do we defeat? I've kind of already mentioned it. Uh, thirdly, yield to the spirit. So we determine who wins this battle. If we yield to the flesh, it takes over. If we yield to the spirit, the Holy Spirit will control us. So we can have victory. Isn't that a blessing? It's just we don't choose to have victory. We, we choose far too often to do what we want to do. And then we blame the devil for it. Well, you know, the devil made me do it. No, you did it. You wanted to do it. And so we're told in Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit. So when we yield to him, it says, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do you have victory? Stop walking in the flesh and walk in the spirit. And when you do walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then the next point, change your appetite. So if you, be, uh, if you feed the flesh with those ungodly sights and sounds and influences, don't be surprised when you live a defeated Christian life because it now is engaged and takes over. So be careful, right? We used to hear lots of preaching against the TV, right? Bring that thing into your home and you say, well, I'm just watching a sporting event. Yeah, and then... Come the commercials and half-naked women and blaring rock music and you just get numb to it and you just, just, you just accept it. And not only are you infecting your own heart and mind, but you're doing the same thing to your children. You say, well, 
I can watch worse than that on my phone. Well, that's your problem. Stop watching worse than that on your phone, too. Uh, so if you feast on the word of God, then it'll, it'll make it much easier to have victory over the flesh. So Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.16 that the inward man is renewed day by day. And that's why it's so vital to read our, your Bible and pray every single day. And I was just reading in my devotion, so this is a bonus that's not in here. Uh, but in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, it says, in deliver, talking about uh, in delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day. So Lot was a saved man. You wouldn't know it by the way he was living because he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the world. He allowed the world to begin to wear him down. That's what the word vexed means. It means to afflict and to wear down. And so these sights and sounds, by seeing and hearing, he vexed his righteous soul. And that's why we need to daily renew our hearts and minds through being in the Word of God and having a personal time of devotions every day. So you said that every week in the last several weeks. Yep. Keep doing it. And then you need to deny the flesh. Finally, you know, to be victorious, you just have to say no. But I want to. No. Just say no. You, <laughs> it's painful to tell yourself no, but do it anyway. You know if you just, you know, eat like you do on Thanksgiving every day, you're going you're gonna to be like a whale. Okay? And so you just tell yourself, no, at some point i got to stop the pies and the ice cream and the cakes and the chocolate chip cookies and the fistfuls of everything else that I want. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Crucifixion is a painful thing. So make some pain and tell your corrupt flesh, no, I'm not going to do it. And there's a bunch of other verses there that will help you. We have a powerful foe, the devil, but he's not with us every day. Who's with us every day is us, our weak, corrupt flesh. Understand it takes some steps to overcome it, and you can be victorious. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Pray that you'd use your word to encourage us and help us to have victory. I pray you bless in the service that follows. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.